Hi, and welcome back to GenCast. Today, I'm joined by Sean Liu, who is the fellowship director of the new Geriatric EM Fellowship at MassGen up in Boston, and she's also the treasurer of the Academy of Geriatric Emergency Medicine. Today, we're going to be talking about fall management in the ED and how falls are sentinel events and require a sentinel response. And we'll also talk about how the term, quote, mechanical falls should not be used. So anytime you hear us say, quote, mechanical falls, you can insert those air quotes there because we are going to recommend that we stop using that term. So, Sean, first of all, thank you so much for being on GEMCAST with me. Why should EM physicians care about fall prevention? Well, thank you so much, Christina, for this opportunity to speak about falls and for doing your GEMCAST work. I know it's a lot of work on your part, but you're doing a great service to the emergency medicine community. Well, I think we should care about falls for multiple reasons. For one thing, patients come to the emergency department frequently for falls. There are more than 2 million geriatric ED fall visits per year, and they represent 10% of geriatric ED visits. About a third of community-dwelling older adults fall each year. And furthermore, patients who come to the ED for a fall come back again for a fall. I know in the ED we focus on the trauma evaluation of patients and often on whether or not we think there was an arrhythmia or syncope associated with that fall. But the fact is that we should care about this topic because it's a frequent complaint, because we do not follow the evidence-based guidelines on how to prevent falls, and because there's a high mortality associated with this. Furthermore, these are our grandparents or our parents, or ultimately us as future geriatric patients who are vulnerable to this as we all age. So I think given for the number of times we see this condition for shift, there is so much more we can do to prevent a future recurrent fall and the potentially deadly consequences associated with that fall. Absolutely. And we've talked before about falls on GEMCAST, and we uh, we know that falls are the number one trauma-related cause of mortality in older adults. It's not MVCs. It's not, you know, fortunately, assault. It's falls. Falls are the number one reason for trauma and uh, injury mortality in older patients. And the best kind of fall is the fall that doesn't happen. So, of course, we treat patients for the fall that they come in with, but then we certainly need to be doing more to prevent those future falls. And you mentioned some evidence-based guidelines. What exists out there for emergency physicians? Well, for starters, there are national guidelines, such as American Geriatric Society, who has a comprehensive fall algorithm. The CDC has the SETI guidelines, and they are guidelines as to what to do and are similar to the American Geriatric Societies. But these are largely aimed at ambulatory settings. But many of these elements are incorporated into the geriatric ED guidelines that were published in 2014 and have specific fall guidelines in those geriatric ED guidelines. And I will put a link to those in the blog show notes. But what do the geriatric ED guidelines recommend for fall patients? They recommend initiating a comprehensive evaluation for geriatric patients who present with a fall or those who may be at high risk for future falls. Of course, patients should be evaluated for injuries, including those injuries that may be occult in the geriatric population. Furthermore, the guidelines recommend patients be evaluated for the causes and risk factors for falls, and patients should be assessed prior to disposition in terms of safety and with the goal of preventing future falls and injuries. The issue is that not many emergency physicians know about the geriatric ED guidelines. 
we did a study a few years ago showing that the current EM practice has very poor adherence to these guidelines. In our study, we had an average of, of approximately 30% adherence to the fall elements of the geriatric AD guidelines in our chart review. We did a study recently, which included attendings, residents, and PAs, and showed that 32% were somewhat familiar with the geriatric guidelines, and only 2% of providers were very familiar with the guidelines. Why do you think adherence is so low? Well, the guidelines are comprehensive, but I know that on every shift, emergency physicians are faced with such competing priorities. We want to rule out life-threatening illnesses and traumas, but emergency physicians often just don't know the adverse events associated with the fall and the geriatric patients, and often don't have to think, don't have time to think about how to prevent the next fall. And what are those adverse events associated with falls in this population? Well, the typical recurrent fall rate is about 23% in our research within six months. Further, we found that approximately 15% of our patients die within six months. So in context, think about all the times we focus on stress tests and choosing uh, what type of risk stratification tests we do for our chest pain patients. Our fall patients have a much higher six-month mortality rate than chest pain patients. That's a really interesting way to think about it and not one that I had really put it into, but that paradigm of how can we risk stratify patients into low, medium, or high risk for future falls. And you're right. We spend so much time struggling with, are they 1% or 5% risk of major adverse cardiac event? But then all of these patients have a 23% risk of recurrent falls and a 15% six-month mortality. So that's huge. And with this, in the with these future events, are they dying because of the falls? Actually, the main thing to understand is that there's usually a reason why that patient fell. So they're not usually dying because of the injury, although certainly some patients do if they have a life-threatening injury like a subdural hemorrhage. But I like to say that falls are sentinel events and deserve a sentinel response. So in general, those patients are usually having high mortality because of the etiology that caused that fall. Patients fall for a myriad of reasons, whether it is their medications, whether they're dehydrated or have issues with balance or muscle strength or frailty, or even neurological issues such as peripheral neuropathy or Parkinson's. We often very much oversimplify the fall evaluation in the ED and rarely get to the etiology of why that patient fell. How should falls be evaluated in the ED, keeping in mind that we're already stretched very thin? I completely agree with you, Christina, that providers are stretched thin in the ED. But on the one hand, we do change our practice and behavior when it is the right thing to do. Think about how much longer it takes now to put in a sterile central line. When I was in training, we did not take the same measures that we take now to fully drape down and sterilize in the emergency department. We often said it was a crash line in the ED, and the excuse was that the ICU would change the line anyways. However, through quality improvement measures and extensive research, the culture changed, and we are now willing to take much longer to carefully put in a sterile line, knowing that it's right for the patient, especially now that Gulster Sound guided lines are the standard of care. On the other hand, I completely agree that a comprehensive fall evaluation is overall ideal, but not necessarily practical to expect to be done in the ED. Our research has shown that providers are willing to spend approximately two, maybe up to five minutes on a fall evaluation, but our research assistants estimate that it takes about 20 minutes to actually do a full fall assessment. 
So the reality is that we need some middle ground. I prefer taking steps to figure out what can be implemented on a practical level rather than trying to create an algorithm that no one will implement at all. I absolutely agree. So what would you recommend ED physicians or providers do? Well, unfortunately, Christina, there's no one pill or one test that will prevent falls. I wish it were as easy as that. But on the bright side, I think there are many things that would help identify a patient's fall risk that are already part of our standard of care. We just have to connect the dots. So first, as I mentioned, we know that pain medications, hypertensive medications, sedatives, and psychiatric medications increase the risk of falls. So just pay attention to your patient's medication list and actively think about whether they need to be on that sleep medication or that hypertensive medication. I know it will be hard to change their blood pressure medication and psychiatric medication in the emergency department, but a first step would be having the patient know that those medications are high risk for them and having them talk to their primary care doctor. And furthermore, hesitate before giving an opiate to an elderly patient or an geriatric patient because Avoiding opiates will minimize their future fall risk. Second, make sure you see your patient walk. Ideally, you do a time to get up and go test, which is having them get up from sitting, walk 10 feet, and turn around. And if this takes them more than 13 to 14 seconds, then we know that they're at high risk for future falls. I realize this may not be practical to do, but at least if you can see them get up from the bed or the chair, and see if they have to use their arms or their hands to, to support them. If, you, if they do, then you know they have issues with strength in their lower extremities, and ideally a physical therapist would be consulted if their gait or their strength look particularly worrisome. Third, as part of the HPI, I ask if this is their first fall and why they think they fell. Do they need a home safety evaluation because of tripping risks in the house? Were they lightheaded and are they dehydrated? Do they need to drink more? You can test for orthostatic signs if there is concern for dehydration. I know that you recently did a GEMCAST and orthostatic vital signs, and this is a perfect example of where I think it is important to do orthostatic vital signs in this particular population. So we know these these three things are already part of a general HPI, and providers just need to actively think about how those specific elements contribute to a fall risk. And then how do you approach this with the patient? I often try to approach them as I'm asking about the fall. I actually want to intentionally do some educating. And I say, we're here, and of course we're going to be excluding any injury, say a broken ankle, or we'll repair your laceration. But I'm also concerned about why you fell in the first place. We don't want you to fall again, because the next time you may have a a hip fracture or a worse injury. Oftentimes, we like to use a video that was created by Katie Davenport, uh, with you at UNC, and the American College of Emergency Physicians. Ideally, we'd use this type of video and show it while the patients are waiting to be evaluated for their fall. We have found that patients often need to be educated about their falls because they may dismiss the ideology of their fall, and they have a huge important role in being motivated to change their behavior and also take their fall risk seriously. I see this as a great opportunity to educate patients since they come to the ED, usually immediately after their fall. 
Absolutely, and I've certainly seen this plenty in clinical care, and it's also documented in the research that patients will tend to underplay the reason that they fell. They'll blame it on external things such as their slippers or their pajama pants or a table or a chair, and they will not see it as something that is more internal to them or because of, say, their loss of balance or loss of reflexes or dehydration. And so they don't see it as something that could potentially happen again. Family members often do. They'll say, oh, this is the second time they've fallen this month or whatever. So they'll tend to see more of a trend. Um, what do you recommend for patients who we think of as having a, quote, mechanical fall? I'm so glad you asked that question. I think the mechanical fall term is rather vague and just not helpful in the fall evaluation. We did some research on this, and from our data, it shows that people do not have a clear definition that's agreed upon among all providers. Some use it to say it clearly wasn't a thinkable event. Others use it to say that the patient tripped, and others use it to say it just isn't a concerning story for a fall. So I think people use it to say, overall, it is not a concerning ideology. But I'd argue that if the patient tripped, there's still an underlying reason why they felt. Because if they were in their 50s or 40s, that rug or chair wouldn't have led them to fall. In fact, they probably had that same furniture in that house. It's never caused an issue. But now that they're aging, their balance, strength, or reflexes have changed, or that medication that they were just started on, or that uh, urine infection is causing them to be weak, and they can't respond quickly enough to prevent themselves from actually falling. Now, I get that some of our older adult patients are doing black diamond skiing or whatnot, or doing marathons, so I'm not necessarily talking about that type of fall, but my overall point is that the term mechanical fall isn't used consistently and therefore is not very helpful in the fall evaluation. Furthermore, our research showed that the term mechanical falls wasn't necessarily associated with decreased adverse events. So basically those patients who had mechanical falls versus quote unquote non-mechanical falls had the same rates of ED revisits, adverse events, and death. So overall, it just really doesn't helpful as a prognosis so I recommend that providers just don't use the term mechanical fall. Instead, I would just say, describe the situation. Describe if the patient just tripped. Just say, the patient tripped and fell, and then we were all on the same page. It is like reporting in a triage note that a patient is complaining of non-cardiac chest pain. We really wouldn't do that. We really simply describe what the patient says to us. That's a really important point, and I like your comparison to saying something is non-cardiac chest pain because by saying, oh, it's a mechanical fall, we're somewhat minimizing the etiology or underlying causes, and then we could miss the opportunity to prevent those future falls. One of the things that I suggest to my residents is to say this was a non-syncopal fall because that way that communicates that information to me that they didn't have syncope, I'm less worried about you know, getting a stat EKG, but I'm still worried about the fall and what caused it. And it's, it's so true that this is really a false syndrome. It's not necessarily one thing that causes these falls. They have, as you mentioned, lost uh, muscle tone, reflexes. Often vision is a component, especially when people get up at night to go to the bathroom and it's dark. There's a lot of different things. And then maybe they're a little dehydrated or have a slight infection. 
All of these things together can contribute to the fall where any one of them might not be a problem and probably uh, weren't a problem until they, they reach this age. So thank you, Sean. I know that um, this is a really important topic and even just having a recognition of that term and a better understanding of what we mean by a fall or a mechanical fall is, is great. Thank you, Christina. I think falls are very complicated and multifactorial and they are associated with high adverse event rates. I think overall, if the listener takes the take-home message that falls are sentinel events and that we in the ED as providers have a huge role in preventing future falls. For example, the future fall that, that may lead to a C-spine fracture or a hip fracture or subdural, then that would be a great first step. Ideally, there would be much more interest in creating efficient algorithms or things like ED smartphone applications that could prevent falls or create fall risk algorithms, or even creating emergency department fall clinics that could continue the fall evaluation and prevention efforts. But the first step is really having us as ED providers realizing that these events are important and to stop seeing falls as easy cases where we simply rule out trauma. We wanna make sure that grandma or mom stay independent and preventing injury from falls is key to making that happen. Thanks, John. And you're right. Falls and recurrent falls is one of the number one reasons for loss of independence and the need for transfer to a nursing facility or assisted living facility. So I'd love to just take a minute to summarize all these points. First, falls are really important multifactorial syndromes that are the number one cause of trauma mortality in older adults. What can we do in the ED? Well, first of all, as part of our HMP, we should look at their medications. These are such a common reasons for orthostatic hypotension or falls. High-risk medications are their antihypertensives, pain medications, sedatives, psychiatric medications. If it's not something that you can comfortably de-prescribe in the ED, then tell the patient, hey, I'm worried about your fall. You could potentially fall again. And I'd like for you to talk to your doctor about whether all of these 25 different medications are absolutely necessary because they could increase your risk. Second, Make sure you see the patient walk. If you wanna be fancy, and I recommend being fancy at any point in life when it's possible, have the patient do a time to get up and go. Have them stand up, walk 10 feet, and turn around. If it takes them more than 13 or 14 seconds, then they are at high risk for falls. And I love this because by definition, this will only take you up to 15 seconds to do in the ED, because then you know it's positive or negative. Third, as part of the HPI, ask about how frequently they've fallen. Was this their first fall? Is there something in their house that needs evaluation? Maybe they need grab bars, but more likely there's something else going on. Were they lightheaded, dehydrated? Do they need to drink more? Do you need to rehydrate them in the ED? Do they have an infection somewhere? We need to think about holistically what is contributing to these falls. And some of the things we can intervene on, like the dehydration. Some of the things we can't, but we can frequently tell them that we're concerned and refer them to their PCP. Some PCPs or some healthcare systems have options for home visits where patients can have a thorough home evaluation as well. And I love your idea of risk stratifying patients just like we do for cardiac pain. Is this a low, medium, or high risk patient for future falls? And it would be phenomenal if we had an ED-based falls clinic that we could shuttle all our patients to and say, hey, you didn't break anything today, but come back tomorrow to our little ED falls clinic next door 
and get a, a thorough holistic evaluation and uh, a referral to PT and a home eval. And I think that would be amazing. And hopefully, as we're moving somewhat more towards value-based care, that could become feasible. So, Sean, thank you so much for talking with me about this topic. It's incredibly important, and I hope that our listeners have taken a few important things away from it. Thank you so much, Christina, for highlighting this topic and for giving me the opportunity to chat about it. Thank you so much.